Welcome to the Disco Posse Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for the GC On Demand, then you found the freshly rebranded Disco Posse Podcast. Go to discopossepodcast.com for details. to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host today. Don't forget to keep following along. You can go to discopossepodcast.com, get show notes, links, and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And with that, let's get started. We've got Amy Manley joining us. Amy has a, a real, real interesting you know, set of neat things that she's done in the community. I've been a big fan. Uh, Amy presented at Tech Field Day, uh, or was, was on the panel at Tech Field Day uh, when, uh, when my company presented, and, and I've known Amy through the community. So, uh, But who better to introduce than Amy herself? So Amy, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, uh, where we can find you online, and, and, and then we're going to get started. We're going to talk a little bit about Chargeback today. Sure. Um, my name is Amy Manley, as you already know. I work at the University of Chicago, and you can find me on Twitter at WeirdGirl, um, W-Y-R-D Girl. Um, and that, yes, that's an old, old name I had, I think, when I was 19, my that's first awesome. Yahoo account. So, <laughs> And then I also have a blog, virtualchick.com, which has been, you know, it ebbs and flows the post as, you know, as time goes on. But yeah, I've been in the industry for quite a while, and the community is great. So, just been learning stuff from people like you. So, I love great. that. I was always love exotic Twitter names. Of course, being being Disco Posty <laughs> and here, right. it's like, it's like, So yeah, it's it's neat how we have these personas that kind of just carry on and become our 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 continuous persona and eventually people don't even ask ask anymore they're just like oh hey i know you hey weird girl right yeah, right. yeah. it actually <laughs> came from dune the weirding you know so because people people always thought wired but no oh yeah or, you know, and i would think word girl is the other one <laughs> or word yeah, yeah no, it's like oh you must be a writer <laughs> i love it <laughs> so it's neat you know there's you know, seeing all of the areas where, you know, I've seen work that you've done, you know, of course, like, you know, Green Circle Community, uh, seeing you pop up in there was really cool. Having known you, you know, and having no connection through work, it was kind of funny. I'm like, hey, I know Amy. That's really cool. And, <laughs> you know, one of the things that really popped up was some neat stuff you did around chargeback. And that's always excited me because I did work years ago uh, when I worked with uh, with a company about you know showback and chargeback and so i want to talk about that because everybody's looking at you know private cloud and and how do Mm -hmm. we you know talk about the value and and benefit of private cloud and i think a lot of it wraps around understanding you know what the value is monetarily in internally and that's why chargeback is kind of cool so you know i want to open it up you know what what do you see chargeback doing and you know how does it help the business and even more importantly how does it help it folks to you know kind of attach a value to what we're doing sure i mean back in the day chargeback was easy because you had to buy a server so you you know you 
purchased an HP DL380 or whatever, and you racked and stacked it, and then you charged it back to the app owner. But now that everything's getting virtualized and converged, how do you charge back? So that's been a pain point, I think, as we go more and more to virtualization, app owners are starting to think, oh, just another 12 CPUs, you know, like it just grows on trees. <laughs> as being in IT, we kind of have to be able to show what the use is. So that's where I would think a right sizing kind of report and charge back or show back at least, like these are the resources you are using. This is how much it costs us. We need to be efficient. So do you really need the 16 CPUs you're asking for? Um, I think a lot of, I think there's a new gap that needs to be bridged too between IT and the business that hasn't really been fulfilled. There's usually, you know, there's IT that's this cost center and then the business and they don't communicate well. They just ask for stuff and we give it, you know, we're ComEd. But now IT needs to understand the business needs and what they're really looking for because maybe the vendor is giving them specs for a physical server. I get that all the time where they think, you know, I need an, you know, AMD and, you know, yeah, that's right. so many gigahertz processor with, you know, with 32 cores and you have to tell them why that'll actually hurt performance rather than improve it. What are you trying to do? What kind of server is this? So you really need to maybe sit down with the owner and understand what they're trying to accomplish and then show them hopefully with some kind of reporting what their VM is doing, what it looks like, and how much it actually costs. So I think that's the big difference nowadays. Yeah, like chargeback is is interesting because it creates this, it closes the the gap a bit, right? I, I love that mm -hmm. idea of, you know, we talk about DevOps and like, before even DevOps was like ops ops, you know. <laughs> how about we just, <laughs> right. well, we actually engage the business owners as far as what the you know we they treat us like air conditioning and power. Right, it's right. Like it just comes with the building, doesn't Keep it? Keep the lights on, and yeah. right. <laughs> and now, but yeah, side, now we're now we're like a you know we're an Amazon. They're ordering a VM. We need to come up with a price and spit it out, and so we need to come up with a cost. You know? Yeah. And and I used to we used to, yeah like you said first it would be like I've got to order a server for this project so I needed to have like you know one server production one for development one for disaster recovery and you would always assume it's like okay it's three servers they're whatever they are Dell HP blah 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 whatever it is mm -hmm. that particular model you'd get it times three and that was just wrapped into the project cost mm -hmm. and then virtualization came along and they were like oh well you know we don't need that anymore right but we would always put in the fake cost, like we would put in like, mm -hmm. well, assume you're buying that same hardware and we're going to use it towards the pool of virtualization right. hardware. And that was a way to kind of carry that into the next generation. But now we're and like... That only works for so long because then they're like, well, I want dedicated resources. <laughs> right. That's so. exactly it. And you know, so how... How did you find over you know time of going through physical to virtual, virtual to you know people thinking it's like the clouds? Like, how is the perception? Do you find more people really pushing back, saying like, "Hey, look, I, I don't think I should be paying as much because I know you guys are doing it cheaper." Uh, definitely. Or sometimes physical looks like it costs cheaper, so they don't want to go virtual. So we have to reiterate what our standard as a company is. It's to virtualize, if it can be virtualized, we're going that route, unless it needs to be in a physical appliance, we're going virtual, 
and we'll show the actual cost as well as we can and we need to get some money so when we are out of computer storage that we can procure that if they really want to guarantee resources then we will go into shares and resource pools and stuff like that if it's a tier one application but otherwise yes you're sharing but you're also the wonderful thing about virtualization is you're sharing less risk too because now you're you have larger workloads across a larger pool so if a host goes down or a VM goes awry you you know you're less impacted because you're not just dedicating a two host cluster for their app or three host cluster so you're spreading it across you know over 10 hosts or something so yeah the I architecture of trying a, to, oh, the architecture, architecture of an application isn't just technical architecture anymore it's also yeah cost architecture right mm -hmm. so definitely what and do you I, see I is the the what do you see is the way that people kind of change the way like as IT admins cuz we tend to think in gigahertz and megabytes like how do we as technologists change towards a sort of business view like thinking like you know how does the other half live i think that's a huge gap that that technologists are having in figuring out how to justify their value right definitely well i see right now at least where i'm at we're starting i guess you know i had no idea the business was interested in learning about virtualization they don't understand it so they want to lunch and learn so i'm happy to do that and they're doing the same thing i don't know how Epic, for example, works. So, you know, there's lunch and learns, and I can learn how that works. So now I know, oh, this is really sensitive. I need to do XYZ to protect it. So I think communication like that is great. The lunch and learns are a good way to show what you're doing, show the value IT is bringing, and then also learn what the business is really trying to accomplish, and you're on the same team, you know. So that's cool. How do you? How do you, was that something that they kind of approached you to do or, you know, because you was just in conversations, they heard like, well, I don't get what you do and I want to learn more. Or did you kind of out, you know, forcibly say like, hey, do you want to learn about this stuff so that it, it makes more sense when we talk? Uh, how did how did that come about? Um, Actually, for me, it started with a project manager. He's, he's really trying to get to the foundation. So when he's running a project, you know, what's the motion and HA and well, what do you mean I can over provision? So I had explained it to him, and then when I talked to my director about getting more people on board, actually with automation, she brought up, you know, there'd be a lot of people interested. I really personally didn't have a, I clue that people would want to come and hear me talk about, you know, the basics of virtualization, but there are because you take it for granted how much you actually know about it and that the business you know they don't have time to learn about it so um, through different channels I learned that there was an interest so I'm gonna start with my lunch and learn and hopefully they'll return the favor that's really cool and I I love the the sort of brown bag approach like let's just <clears throat> bring it in-house and and see, there's always an always a freshman class right there's always new folks that that want to learn and it's I like the fact when you open it up all of a sudden, you find out like, yeah, they actually do have an interest in it. We think that we're mm -hmm. we're kind of like, oh well, no one would care about this stuff. But if you if you ask the question, so I love that 
you know, reaching back into the business and, and getting that, it's that amplified feedback loop that kind of makes, it's the circles of DevOps, right? The, the Gene Kim three ways uh, approach. Right. So like, yeah, use it for everything. Like it doesn't need to be agile development out to the public cloud in order for you to think, hey, I should talk to the business owner on this stuff. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's even the reason people like us have gotten into IT. It's like, I want to learn, I use a computer for my day-to-day -day needs. I want to learn how it works. So how does this work? And then you just get into IT. So as an app owner, my app runs on this. Well, what's under the engine? You know, what's underneath the hood? You know, not under the engine. Um, <laughs> so what's under the hood? And, you know, why does it act this way? Why, why are 32 CPUs not a great idea? You know, so... I think that brings a better understanding versus us being the bad guys saying you only get four CPUs and, you know, it brings a better understanding all around. Yeah. And having having justifications for those discussion points, I think that's a, that's a big thing. Like you said, it's, it's educating because we want to educate. Now, the reverse is also true. You know, you sound like you've really wrapped yourself into the business and understanding their needs. And, you know, as a technologist, what, what's your, what do you suggest to technologists in embracing that side of it, too? Because it needs to be a two-way communication. How do we, how do we learn more? And, and what is the value to a technologist in understanding the business requirements? Well, understanding the business requirements makes you better able to serve them instead of, like I said, instead of them just getting some specs. I've gotten that. I just printed out a piece of paper of VM specs. This is what the vendor says I need to have. And you talk more and you realize, well, no, that's if, you know, 10 years ago, maybe, you know, we would need to do it this way. <laughs> but now we have, you know, virtualization. This is how it works. Um, if you'd like to talk more about this, you know, and most, you know, I've never run into someone who doesn't want to learn about it or talk about it, and especially the PMs if you have a project going on. So, but as far as taking that first step, it's just, you know, asking someone to go to lunch that's not on your team, you know, just to get to know, like, well, what are you looking for, you know, so we can serve you better and vice versa. So, because it's a, give and take relationship I think now yeah and I think that's it you know we have to cross the team boundary we have to you know go outside there's a reason why when we have these you know team building things they purposefully merge groups that aren't necessarily together all the time because you want to say like hey what what do you do over in your area and right. you mentioned you know tiers like that's the the big thing is like just first of all when people talk about tier one tier two like that's huge. If you, how can you assess the value of an an application if you don't understand how the business views it? Is it tier one? Is it continuously required, et cetera, et cetera? You know, did you did you do much for yourself to educate on you know what those like? What's a good resource to go and find out what does tier one, tier two mean? Was it online learning? Did you do it through you know school courses? How, how do how do technologists learn about what that really means in, in business terms? Well, I guess it depends on your industry. I know in retail, everything tier one was anything that made us money, you know. So any e-commerce site, you know. Um, now in healthcare, there's anything that'll affect our patients. So if it's going to affect any kind of patient care, that's a tier one app. So it's more, 
again, understanding your business and there's no real set, I don't think, course or anything online that's going to tell you what's a tier one app versus what your needs are. You know, I know we need XYZ up so this patient can, you know, have their heart monitored and so it definitely depends on the industry, what's important, what's not that important that it can go down for a few minutes, you know, an HA event or have a DR event, but what's truly tier one and needs to be replicated and have a DR box and is definitely what, you know, what keeps your business running. Now, the the trick with, you know, how did you introduce chargeback, you know, and and we talk about chargeback and showback and what if you mean just explain literally what is the difference what is what is showback what is chargeback and how do you kind of step from nothing to showback to to chargeback uh, that's yeah that's tricky you know because everyone wants to do it and you talk about it and then you just never do it and you say we should do it <laughs> but it happened for me when working in retail we had to do it um there was just no way around it we had to charge back for resources so I was staring at a blank Excel spreadsheet going, how do we come up with a cost, you know? So we were just kind of taking swags at numbers, you know, okay, three grand for a VM of this size, you know. But finally, I got all the cost of every port, of you know, what storage cost, every, you know, the chassis. We were at UCS shop at that time, so what's a blade cost, what's an FI port cost, and... You just start listing out all your physical costs and then dividing it up. So I was my hand was forced in retail <laughs> and then it just carried over. Now that I have the experience, we do more of a showback um in the healthcare industry or the or as my boss likes to say, shame back <laughs> as far as <laughs> like here's what you're using and you're using way too much and this is how much it's costing the company you know do you really want to impact us that way or can we you know knock you down a few notches and get you right sized so yeah that's important that's cool to, I, love, I love that term I'm <laughs> yeah that phrase now shame back shame back right <laughs> so i mean we just want to run efficiently so if you don't need that many cpus and it keeps us from buying another blade then all the more better to right size your app so and it'll probably run better so it's important to keep that communication up because now that it's all virtual there there really is no tangible cost like there was when you just bought that server and rack and stack so it's an interesting beast but I see it coming a long way now with different tools out in the scope so now the shame back you know method of like is that because as a business you know, we typically allocate, you know, everybody's just got this giant, you know, cost center of, of IT. And did that help you to highlight where one group was using more than another? And and maybe did that, did you find the, the payoff to that was that they either reduced that utilization or they listened more when you coached them on, on what they really needed to use or, or what they were using? Yes. I mean, you definitely don't want to just show them a report and say you're using too much. They're going to be defensive and fight you. <laughs> so if you take a a low-key approach and just 
talk about the common goal for the company, show that, you know, you're really overallocated. I actually think it's impacting your application. Can we, let's bump it down, see how it runs. We can always add it back. Um, it's easier to add than take away, of course. So let's just try this and for a few weeks. And if you have any complications, let me know right away. And I'll make sure your app is running properly. So it, people are pretty receptive. So they don't want to wait, you know, not doing anyone any favors racing wasting resources so that's it and you know, having a tangible way to illustrate it <clears throat> as a cost is is the key right because if people just think of it as you know that's why we i always get scared when people say we'll just go to the public cloud because it's you know because right. <laughs> then you just have you have whatever resources you need and like you know, there's a there's a bill at the end of that month, right? <laughs> and, and, it, right. <laughs> and it keeps coming. It's not like you're like, oh, look, we only used twenty two thousand dollars this month. They're like, but you're you're going to use it again next month, and you're probably going to use more. Like, it's, right? It's putting stuff. <laughs> the out magical there. cloud. <laughs> yeah, doesn't the cloud just fix everything? Right. It's in the cloud. It's free. <laughs> and I think it's even more important as as we look towards the public cloud to bring the cost as a relative sense of our internal IT. Because if you if you want to go to public cloud or you want to create a private cloud, the only way to do it is to to have that sort of lifecycle management and charge mm -hmm. back and show back are are critical to that. Because otherwise, yeah, you just just keep spinning them up. You know, I need more apps, I right. need more VMs. Like just give me more. And self-service <laughs> kind of creates this ease of of going, it's a, it's like handing a, a you know eighteen year old a credit card, saying, "Well, just just use this when you need to buy something," and then not giving <laughs> right. them the balance. <laughs> How yeah, things could get a little out of hand if you just if you weren't showing back at least <laughs> what you're using, you know, because then I, everyone wants, you know, it's going to be Oprah giving away, you know, you get a VM and you get a VM. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Self-service, you know, how much of it do you embrace where you're at? And, and in the past, have you found, have you kind of gone to that next generation and, and made it more of a, a true self-service private cloud type of approach? Definitely, it's on the roadmap or definitely as part of automation, looking for that self-service portal. It'd be great to give the end user more control, definitely within reason or with some checks and balances, but why not have them deploy their own VM if it's, if it meets the requirements of, you know, it's well, it's only, you know, a four gig, four CPU VM with relatively low space, we can, they can deploy it, you know. So we're working on automating our server builds and then a self-service portal where, or like day-to-day -day operations, why not let them do a snapshot and then it auto-deletes after so many days, like give the user more control. We used to be, I think in the past we were scared to let go of that, like it's, things are going to go wrong, something's going to break, but if you have the monitoring in place and the checks and balances and you give them more control, that's less work for you. <laughs> you can do the, you know, the more fun stuff, you know, the engineering instead of deploying a basic VM. Exactly. So I think empowering them also probably makes them feel good too and it's just better overall and i think more efficient the fact that they touch the process that they're they have to like through the process of deploying a virtual machine or an application they become a little bit more acutely aware of what they're doing and maybe yeah. get the sense of that cost like oh i I, remember, I did this like three times this week like oh boy is this gonna affect my like 
you know, if right. they understand that the value and the cost of, of doing it. If you just blind, like, here you go, have fun, and just give them the <laughs> self service web portal, they'll be like, this is awesome. And they do what I want. Built in, you know, yeah. Right. And with chargeback and showback is like, yeah, here's your active research. Like, ooh. I forgot yeah. about that one. <laughs> I don't know, they're not crabby waiting for us slow IT people to give them a VM. <laughs> you know, they, they have the keys, they're in control to an extent. You know, maybe there needs to be an approval workflow, you know, something crazy being requested. But, yeah, why not? I think automation, you, you know, that's it's my favorite word, you know, or automation <laughs> and orchestration kind of get are interchangeable in some ways. But, you know, yeah, automating your server builds, how did that save time for you? You know, and, and, and do you see that? Does your team kind of get the value of doing that, and and what it gives back to them to actually, yeah, you know, get back to doing real engineering rather than, oh, I got to carve off seventeen servers this week. Right. Um. Yeah. In my past, it it was great. We, you know, we virtualized. Uh, not virtualized. I'm still in virtualization. We automated a lot of just difference, you know, we standardize everything and then automate it. So it was, it was great. And people embraced it and saw the um, value of it. Here, I, I started that, you know, that journey again. So <laughs> it's a little reminiscent of the past, but um, I'm starting to have those meetings, getting teams on board. And the server build really is the easy part now you know it's going to be those next steps you know storage and um, backups and ITIL you know change requests so Ooh, the, the <laughs> word. every time you deploy an ITIL process a baby dies somewhere like yeah it's a baby <laughs> I, I've always felt it's a tough one. ITIL is such a, it's a critical part of, especially when if you think about healthcare, uh, finance, yes. you know, a lot of uh, industries. I used to hate it. <laughs> now I love it. <laughs> yeah. But we can be completely agile inside the framework of ITIL, right? Like the, we Definitely. don't, there's a boundary. I know Steve, Steve Chambers is a guy I follow online. Uh, he's, I think he's at Steve E. Chambers, IE Chambers. Uh, he's a great guy. And he's, if you ask him about ITIL, he'll, you'll, you'll get a good tweet stream that. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, I think I had a stream of somebody over ITIL killing the agility, you know, yeah. went back and forth a little bit and then finally <laughs> But But a lot of it is like, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be seen as the, the devil in, 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 you know, dampening agility. What we can oh. do is we have to recognize it. It's, it's like free market capitalism with a little bit of regulation, like a little regulation <laughs> isn't so bad. If, if we're completely free market in IT, it can be dangerous and like, why not wrap that safety in the uh, mild regulation, you know, and that's what ITIL mm -hmm. gives us that formal process and our automation then maps against it, which is like wicked cool, right? That's, that's how, that's how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to map technology to business processes. It's not the other way around. We're not like, you're going to change the way you run your business. Cause I don't as a technologist agree with it because it doesn't work with what I want to do. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I love it as far as, you know, it, at least it gives you, you know, hey, I'm making this change. I'm covering my butt. And then it gives you that CMDB. So when I automate, 
everything and put it into the CMDB and then close out my ticket and automate that, it, it's not a pain anymore, you know. It's still put in place and everything's trackable, but I just automated all of it. So, you know, what do I care, you know, as far as it taking time. But, yeah, when it's manual and you're, you know, you're putting in and change meetings and, you know, it, yeah, I can see where people gripe about it. But I think it's, you know, another step for automation. It's, you can automate that as well. <laughs> exactly. It's part of the evolution. You know, and I love, Amy, like the stuff that you've done. You really do just, and like you said, as you move from one organization to another, taking the wins that you you made at one org and bringing them, you know, it's like that that internal consultant within you just say like, oh, look, this worked before. So we're going to get to that. And we're going to, this is the new baseline. And then we're going to do that next evolution where introduce self-service and, and, and those kind of things. So it kind of sounded to me like, you know, physical, virtual, you know, adding, showback, chargeback, automation, server builds, mm -hmm. leaning, you know, leaning against ITIL and, and making it work. It's mm -hmm. it's a nice evolution, right? And and it's not it's not difficult for us to achieve it if we just, you know, see the value and you know, how right. as a technologist, you know, how much of your time do you spend on that sort of technical debt reduction? And that's, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the sort of DevOps phrasing of, you know, taking something and saying, like, I'm going to attack a process that's mundane that I have to do all the time so that it's automated. How much of okay. your of your day or week do you spend thinking that way of like, I'm going to make this so that I don't have to do it again? Oh, you're actually asking that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nowadays, a lot because you know we're at the the foundation of automation. So you know, I see a lot. That, oh, we can automate this. You know, so there's a lot of cherry picking I can do right now. Um, so a lot of my days that it, right now it's the political. Uh, you know, kissing babies and shaking hands right now with other teams like, hey, you know, I can automate that for you and I'll show you and we can build a team and now you can do better stuff. You don't have to worry about just deploying, you know, one or whatever. So um, I actually ironically just did that yesterday, you know, presented to networking and storage and, you know, because we want to automate security and networking pieces and just bring it all together, kind of break down the silos and you really just you have to get buy-in from other teams, especially if you're siloed. If you know, if, if you're all reporting to one boss or director, that's great. But when you're not, you you definitely have to reach out and maybe go out of your comfort zone and talk about the things they they want to do and they're looking at. You know, so everyone's accommodated. Everyone has feedback and ownership, and then you just you you get more of a, I guess. You get more collaboration just by including people. If you just start telling people, I'm doing this and I'm automating it, they're not going to take it well. You know, people don't <laughs> yeah. see like ownership. I'm the storage guy. I'm the VMware chick. You know, people don't want you stepping in their realm, but when, you kind of have to when you're going to automate. So all the pieces touch. So let's work together is pretty much. I mean, it's cliche, but it's really necessary. Otherwise it's just, you're not going to automate beyond your little scope. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you create push, then you create, it creates resistance. It's, it's an, an unfortunate thing that's versus, you know, it can be, 
I always love the my my hangover thing. Oh, like we're the three best friends that anyone can have. <laughs> That's how storage yes. and freaking and and cute folks need to work. Like we need right. to we need to think that way. It's because if one of us <laughs> fails, we're all going down. <laughs> right, right. If you fail, I'm going down with you. So I want to make sure you're good and I'm good. <laughs> and welcome. And we can to all look good. <laughs> OSI layer layer eight, uh, which is <laughs> right. good old fashioned politics. It, it's, yes. <laughs> it's part of it, but it's it's satisfying business needs. Uh, doing it with IT processes and you know automation is what we need to get there. Uh, chargeback is a way to illustrate the value of it. All of it feeds back into just better operational day-to-day stuff that then it frees us up and lets us get back to engineering IT, which is what we were hired to do. We weren't hired to, like, you're going to deploy 17 VMs per oh, per week. It, right. It I used be, to do that a lot. <laughs> so Build 30 VMs now. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> so with that, we're, 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 got it. we're coming up to the wrap, which is unfortunate because this is, there's so much more we could do on yeah, maybe keep going. <laughs> our personal transformation. And, and I'm going to, I'll have you back in future because I want to talk about, you know, your learning, learning tools and, and stuff that you've done to advance yourself. That's always a fun one. And maybe we'll include some of the stuff in the show notes. So I'll, I'll ask you the one thing, what's, what's the book that you would read and you would tell a technologist to read to kind of start this journey towards evolving and you know raising their profile and how they attack IT challenges and business challenges. Oh my gosh. Um wow. <laughs> well I could say some books I've read. I mean obviously for the DevOps mentality, Gene Kim's Phoenix project was is amazing because you read it and you go, that's me. You know, everyone I think has that that's me and the Brent, the single point of failure in the That's group. Right. Like if that guy's gone, nothing gets done because he knows everything and it's all in his head, undocumented. So that's definitely an eye opener, I think, for the business too. Um, let's see, what else? There's some good ones. I'm totally gonna have to. I have to get Gene on and and you know and yeah. Kevin and and George to talk about this because. On every single podcast we've had so far, and even ones that we've got that are, you know, that are pending, it, every single one, the the one that book they mention is the Phoenix Project, and yeah, that's that's cool. I love that it's it's had that much of a reach. So, well, definitely, I I was at a company. It was a mandatory. We all had to read it, and oh, I was uh, against it. I'm like, what is this? I don't want to read this. This is, you know, whatever. And then I read it. And then I became the biggest fan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, Amy, where, where, you know, we'll reintroduce you. Where do we find you online? Uh, so if people want to continue the conversation. Sure. Questions, harassment, all is welcome at Weird Girl on Twitter, W-Y-R-D-G-I-R-L, or virtualchick.com is my blog. Excellent. Well, we're going to make sure that we uh, we send some folks over there. Uh, and for folks that want to continue the, the chat through the Green Circle, uh, you, of course, can find Amy in the Green Circle. Uh, go to greencircle.vmturbo.com. Uh, we will talk more. We can talk about chargeback, showback, and all sorts of cool things in there. And in fact, we can point links to Amy's chargeback article and, and how she introduced automation uh, and feeding into a, a real cool chargeback process. 
again, you know, come to gcondemand.io. Make sure you subscribe through iTunes uh, so you can get the latest and greatest podcast as it comes down. And if you have any suggestions, uh, feel free to uh, to drop us a line here in the green circle. Again, go to gcondemand.io. Thanks again for this week, and thank you very much, Amy. And uh, we're looking forward to much, much more cool stuff. And as I said, keep reaching out. We're going to find ourselves another another League of the Phoenix burger coming up soon, and hopefully we'll get our offers on there as well. Thanks a lot. You're listening to the Disco Ballsy Podcast.